Hello there, and welcome to the KedCast. My name is Ethan, and this is going to be a fairly in-depth run-through of count nouns versus mass nouns. So originally, this episode was going to be like an episode 1A, like a second parter to the first episode. I wanted there to be like exactly one episode each month, and maybe if I did shorter ones, I would label it as like a bonus episode, but I decided that I didn't care. None of this matters. Some episodes will be real short, others can be longer, schedules don't matter either, I'm just going to do whatever. So today's topic is count nouns versus mass nouns. What's the difference? And then some applications. So first, let's go over some basic parts of speech. All you need to know for this episode is that a noun is a person, place, thing, or idea, and a preposition is a word that starts a prepositional phrase that denotes some kind of relation. Actually, I'll probably make a future podcast episode doing a very thorough explanation of English grammar. So if you're from the far future and you might not have the strongest grammar knowledge, or just need a refresher, listen to that before listening to this. I won't go too in-depth, but I'm not sure what the average person does or doesn't know, so yeah. So count nouns versus mass nouns. That's what this episode is going to be about again. A noun is a person, place, thing, or idea. So first, as an important thing to note, sometimes mixed up between count nouns and mass nouns, the difference between count nouns and mass nouns has nothing to do with whether or not a noun is a concrete or abstract noun. The two attributes of concrete abstract and count mass are orthogonal to each other. So concrete nouns are ones that exist in the real world like physically and are perceivable using the senses, and abstract nouns are ones that aren't. It's a little hazy, there are arguable edge cases, but for instance, rock, sky, and lemon are concrete nouns, versus strength, beauty, liquidation, and transubstantiation are abstract nouns. So, count nouns are countable entities, like cows, lemons, or ideas, as in one cow, two cow, one idea, two ideas. Mass nouns are things that cannot be counted, like strength, beauty or iron like the material like you don't do one iron two iron that, that, that doesn't make sense it's just like a general material and also these short examples prove that both count and mass nouns can be both abstract and concrete it's because abstract and concrete are a matter of how we conceptualize the object versus count and mass nouns are how we are the actual linguistics of like is this a plural this makes sense and for instance lemon is a concrete count noun Ideas is an abstract count noun, because you used to do one idea, two ideas. Strength is an abstract mass noun. And then iron is a concrete mass noun. We still have the mass noun properties of it to where it's just like a general material. However, it does exist in the real world. So yeah, mass nouns are uncountable and typically are concepts such as elegance or piety, like these like in the air concepts that don't have one or two, like you can't do a countable number of them, or they tend to be materials or substances like copper, glass, iron, saying one copper, two coppers, doesn't really make sense because it's like a general material. That's a simple overview on count nouns and mass nouns. Count nouns can be individually counted in a discrete way, while mass nouns cannot. Here are some implications and further details regarding this distinction. So first, a grammatical difference between count nouns and mass nouns is that count nouns have singular and plural variants, while mass nouns do not. There's only a singular variant for mass nouns and no plural. For instance, lemon, you have lemons. However, for copper, there is no plural. For strength, there is no plural. But Ethan, I hear you asking, what about strengths? Like strengths and weaknesses. Strength has a plural. I have one strength in this aspect and other strengths in these other aspects. Therefore, strength isn't a mass noun. So this is where things get very confusing. Many times, like a lot of the time, mass nouns will have another definition of the word, a homonym, if you will, spelled the same, pronounced the same, but a different meaning, that is a count noun. Strength as an abstract concept is still uncountable, but definitions that are more, uh, that can be split up into discrete uh, individual things like strengths is a separate meaning of the word that functions in a count noun fashion and is a count noun, but that doesn't mean that the 
other meaning of it being a mass noun doesn't exist. I remember in middle school, I once had a quiz where the teacher would read a word and we would write down the plural of the word. And one of the words was glass. I was like, glass? There is no plural for that. It's like a general material mass noun. Like one sheet of glass, multiple sheets of glasses? That, that doesn't sound right. But luckily, like a minute or two before I turned in the quiz, I remembered glass has another common meaning, a glass of water, where of water is an additional grammatically gratuitous prepositional phrase. And the plural of that is one glass of water, two glasses of water. So I put glasses and I got the question right. Let's go. Other examples are like iron can be the material, which has no plural form, or it can mean the tool that uses hot steam that you use to make clothes less wrinkly, in which case that would be you would have one iron or two irons. Also like golf, like a driving iron, one iron, two irons, same thing. But the general material of the mass noun iron does not have a plural. Another example is the word water is a mass noun, but waters is also a word that exists. Like, go to the cooler and grab me a couple of waters, where water means bottles of water. It could also mean, I miss the blue waters of the lakes in the Canadian Rockies. It can also be, my friend waters the plants every week. But there, it's being used as a verb. That's something completely different. Yeah, that's big spooky verb territory. We won't go there today. So next, let's talk about specific examples using indefinite pronouns that can function as either singular or plural, depending on the circumstances, like some or none. So pronouns like some or none are indefinite pronouns that can be either singular or plural, depending on a certain circumstance. And if you watched episode one on homophones, I told you that whether or not some or none is conjugated singularly or plurally breaks down to whether or not it's a count noun or a mass noun that gives you an idea of what some or none is. Usually that's in the prepositional phrase following, but it could be, uh, the antecedent could be somewhere else. Let me tell you about why I made this mistake, why it's wrong, and the intricacies about how this works. So for some and none, usually it will be followed by a prepositional phrase that tells the user, that's you, whether or not the indefinite pronoun is singular or plural. For instance, some of the buckets are empty. They're buckets plural, and the R is plural as well. And one might think, oh, the verb R is being used for the subject buckets, and buckets is plural, therefore, that, that, that's how the sentence works. But this isn't actually true. So if you look at the sentence, buckets is in the prepositional phrase of the buckets and grammatically defined a simple subject or a simple predicate. You can always take out the prepositional phrases and sometimes other kind of modifiers to find the simple subject. So here, the simple subject isn't buckets, it's some. So if you take out the prepositional phrase, it's just like some are empty. Some is empty is also correct, but it depends on what some actually is. In this case, we know some is buckets from the prepositional phrase, but it's not because Buckets are empty is because some are empty and some happens to be described as buckets in another part of the sentence. So, so usually for other words, the way the word is written physically literally conveys whether or not it is singular or plural. So bucket is going to be singular, but buckets is going to be plural. Egg, singular. Eggs, plural. Woman, singular. Women, plural. And you even have this for pronouns. I is singular, but we is plural. However, for some, like the word some, it is unclear whether or not it is singular or plural just by the way it's written. You need additional context. Sometimes that's in real life, someone pointing at something. Sometimes that's in a previous sentence. Sometimes that's in additional prepositional phrases in the sentence. There's another example of this being seen in the English language, where a singular and plural of a word can be confused. This all happens in some count nouns, and that is for words where the singular and the plural are the same word. One common example that might lead to error is deer. So I want to make the common mistake and say, oh, deer is a mass noun, because one deer, two deer. It's the same word, no plural. However, that's wrong. We said before that count nouns have plurals and mass nouns don't. Deer appears to not have a plural, but that does not mean that it is a mass noun because deer are clearly countable entities. One deer, two deer. That makes sense. When you do 
one copper, two copper. The word is the same, but that's not why it's a mass noun. It's because that concept doesn't make sense. However, you can have one deer and two deer. We have to remember the definition of count nouns and mass nouns, and that's the way to best check to see whether or not something qualifies. So what's happening here? It's the fact that deer does indeed have a plural. It's the same word, same with sheep, same with moose. A plural exists. It's just the same word. Whereas for mass nouns, the plural just does not exist. It doesn't make sense. Okay, so back to the let's go back to the concept of the conjugation of singular or plural for the indefinite pronoun some. So some can be both singular or plural. Some of the lemons are yellow. Some of the coffee is black. So in these two examples, the count noun is plural and plural conjugated, lemons are, and the mass noun is singular and singular conjugated, coffee is. And in episode one, I said this was the only true distinction, but this is false. Mass nouns can't be plural, but count nouns can be singular. So for instance, I could say some of the car is blue or some of the car, car is a thing that actually exists and it is countable. So some of the car is blue, the singular construction. Some of my house is empty. The only reason this was hard and fathom to think of is that the usage of some or none necessitates some like plurality of parts. Like when I say uh, some of my house, it's theoretically splitting up my house into multiple parts, multiple being like a form of plural. However, the word itself still counts as a noun. And in this way, it's confusing because house is a count noun. I just say one house, two house. However, whenever you're using it in the singular form of house, you're still implying that it can be split up into, into multiple pieces that aren't like quote unquote discrete. So it has that similar to mass nouns, but it's clearly a count noun because of, because of how definitions of words work. So let's go back to the concept of that buckets example to see how we know a sentence with some can be conjugated plurally or singularly. So one of the ways that we can know whether or not some should be conjugated plurally or singularly is by the prepositional phrase, which is functionally the antecedent. However, it's not always necessary. The antecedent could have been in a previous sentence. Take this example. Not all of the children went to the bus stop on time. Some were left behind. Even though it wasn't some of the children were left behind, it's still plural because children was a, the antecedent of the pronoun existing in a previous sentence. On the flip side, let's say I give you this sentence with no other context. Some is red instead of yellow. The fact that the verb there is is tells you 100% that some is singular and that the word or noun that it is referring to is singular. Many times you'll encounter this in the real world where someone, they don't specify what it is. They just point at something and you have to like use the physical world to tell what it is. So for instance, if I point at a group of people and say, some are tall, some are short, you know that the antecedent has to be plural because the are in the sentence is plural. Some are tall, some are short, and it's probably implied to be people or some similar plural word. This inherent distinction found in grammar, being able to tell if something is singular or plural, and partially whether it's not counter mass nouns based on the verb tense, also occurs with words where the plural and singular are the same, as well as with words that have multiple definitions where one is a count noun and one is a mass noun. What do I mean? So, for example, watch this. I'm going to give you some sentences. The deer in the prairie was prancing in the moonlight, versus the deer in the prairie were eating peacefully. Even though the first part, the deer in the prairie, is the same in both cases, the difference of the verb were and was changes in your mind what the sentence means. And this almost happens automatically in your brain. You just understand these things as an English speaker. When I say the deer was prancing, you're like, oh, that's one. The deer were eating, that's two, or more deer. And for the second example, where it's not just with the count noun, sometimes it's what, like the same definition can switch. A common example is the difference between there were dogs on the road and there was dog on the road. One of those is a count noun shown by the plural dogs, and the other was a mass noun. It's kind of gross, but it's shown by the singular and a lack of an article like the dog or a dog. The final thing I'm going to cover is a commonly confused pair of words, and that is less and fewer. This is something that is commonly messed up. Some people know the rules, some people think they know the rules, some people don't. So the rule is often explained as 
if the noun in question that the word lesser or fewer you're trying to put in refers to is a count noun, it's always fewer. And if it's a mass noun, it is less. For instance, I have less money than she does. I have fewer dollar bills than she does. Here, here are some more examples. I, there are fewer apples than oranges. There is less juice in my cup. There are fewer attendees at daily mass. There is less spaghetti this week compared to last week. And if you look at these examples, you can tell that the count nouns match up with the plural conjugation, whereas the mass nouns match up with the singular conjugation. For the most part, this rule of count noun and mass noun determining which one to use is good, but here's where it gets spicy. That is to say, the rule is wrong, and you've been lied to by big grammar. So, fewer or less does not refer to count nouns and mass nouns distinction exclusively. Just like some and none, I argue that it is based on whether or not it is singular or plural, and there is an exception case, I will go over it, thus to prove my point. Because a sentence like, there is less chair, automatically makes your brain translate it to a mass noun, so the singular, singular count noun does not seem to exist, I have a counterexample to prove that you can have a singular count noun, and thus it will be conjugated singularly, which disproves the like so-called axiom that less always goes with the mass nouns and fewer always goes with the count nouns. So here's the statement in question, and I'll ask you, which one of these is correct? The number of sheep is less than the number of goats, or the number of sheep is fewer than the number of goats. I think intuitively we would just go with less, but I think we always go with less first. Fewer is usually the one that's left out, but a more grammatically inclined individual might say, oh, it's sheep and goats. Those are count nouns. Those are plural. So it's the number of sheep is fewer than the number of goats. But actually, these aren't the only two that could have been confused. The verb tense can be confused too. So in reality, there are four options. So there is the number of sheep is less than the number of goats. The number of sheep is fewer than the number of goats. The number of sheep are less than the number of goats. The number of sheep are fewer than the number of goats. First thing to notice is that you shouldn't get debated by the prepositional phrases of sheep and of goats. Those can be taken out because prepositional phrases are gratuitous to find the simple predicate and simple subject, and that allows you to understand the words and the sentence structure better. And the fact that you've now eliminated these means that you won't get further debated by the fact that sheep is the plural word form of a count noun that is the same as its singular form. Another thing you notice is that number is not a pronoun, so it does not have the same plural or singular flipping properties that some and none have, so don't get debated by that either. So now if you take those out, you basically have the number blank, then the number is or are and then less or fewer. So here are the four examples. The number is less than the number. The number is fewer than the number. The number are less than the number, and the number are fewer than the number. I think first off, we can recognize that the R doesn't make sense here, because number isn't plural. And it's a good thing that we took out the of sheep and of goat. That's going to potentially confuse English speakers, because it's like, oh, those are plural, therefore it has to be. But no, those are just a modifier. And we look at the word number, that is clearly a singular noun. It could be a mass noun, we don't know yet. But we know that when we look at number, it, there isn't a, a plural thing happening there. So it has to be between the number is less than and the number is fewer than. It has to be the is, because the R doesn't make sense, because no plural. So according to the rule, you would now evaluate whether or not number is a count noun or a mass noun. And I would say it's clearly a count noun. There is a number of goats. There are many numbers of animals. There are numbers of cows, cats, dogs. Number here is clearly a count noun. You can have multiple of it in, used in the same context. And it's a count noun. Additionally, because we found the plural, we know that the original is singular and is countable. So there are multiple checks that we can use to determine that this is indeed a count noun. Therefore. We should say 
the number is fewer than the number. Let's say the, that is to say the number of sheep is fewer than the number of goats. But that doesn't sound right, does it? Maybe. However, if you just look at the word fewer, it's kind of baked into the understanding of the word, where fewer implies a countdown plurality where you say there are multiple discrete objects that can be separated, like apples and oranges, where when you say apples, there are many apples. And for less, we use it to understand for less juice in the water because there's no countable entities. It's a substance that there is a part or amount that has a differential, but there is no discrete entities. I would say that just looking at the definitions and like usage of fewer and less, one would say that the usage of less because this count noun is used in a singular form, falls under the logic of mass nouns much better. It's not discrete things that number is broken into. It's a general mass concept of number that has implied splittings in parts. There is a differential. Like when you say, I have the, the amount of juice is more, you're not saying there are discrete like units of juice that can be more. And number is functioning more like a mass noun than it is like, as a count noun in this instance. So what's actually happening here? So yeah, when you say this number is less than this other number, not this number is fewer than another number, because even though it's a count noun, is is singular and there are no distinct parts to it. Therefore, I posit the correct answer is actually the number of sheep is less than the number of goats. Even though number is a count noun, because it is used singularly, singular nouns by definition, it's only one, have no discrete subsets. Maybe one could say that, oh, all singular nouns are definitionally mass nouns. But one, that doesn't actually make sense, because count noun means something, your ability to count multiple of it. Count nouns aren't excluded to specifically the plural version, that doesn't really make sense. Therefore, the use of fewer and less isn't determined whether or not it's a count noun or a mass noun, it's determined whether or not it is singular or plural. That is to say, mass nouns usually don't have a plural, and singular count nouns usually aren't used in the fewer or lesser construction. However, there are edge cases with some cheekily placed prepositional phrases where you can get that to occur, in which case it clearly proves that if it's singular, regardless of whether or not it's a count or mass noun, less will be used there, where fewer is only used for plural cases, which is only for count nouns because mass nouns don't have a plural. So yeah, my final answer, which may defy some progressive grammatical dogma, is that the correct answer is the number of sheep is less than the number of goats. So yeah, watch out for these traps. Open your eyes, don't listen to the lies of big grammar, don't be a sheep. Or rather, dear listener, maybe you should be a sheep. And I don't say this to scare you, rather, to put into perspective the world in which we live and the reality of the consequences of our actions. In chapter 7 of the Gospel according to Matthew, through the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it is written, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and those who enter through it are many. How narrow the gate and constricted the road that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So too, in chapter 25, St. Matthew writes, When the Son of Man comes in glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne, and all the nations will be assembled before him. He will separate them one from another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, who will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And he will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So, dear listener, you should strive to be the sheep, and know that if you only take one thing away from this episode, truly, the number of sheep is less than the number of goats.
Have a nice day. God bless and toodles.